When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Solar Panel. This is our weekly Saturday morning live edition uh, where I've got my usual partner in crime. Uh, of course, we don't commit any crimes, but you know, our my usual partner in Zona Hoops. How you doing, Zona? Not bad. Uh, just enjoying a, another Suns win. And can we just talk about how ugly those uh, Timberwolves jerseys are? The highlighters. These things always make yeah. me think of. Yeah, it's just God. Can you get something else, please? Please, yes. It, it was a bad combo with the orange too, but uh, yeah, we'll take the win. <laughs> yeah, and we have a guest with us today. He's an infrequent, but. Um, I wish he was even more frequent guest, PLR of the Cave Show, Paul Richardson. How you doing, man? So, gentlemen, how are you? I'll tell you what about those uniforms. They may be ugly, but they're probably the best-looking ones they have. They've never had a good-looking uniform in Minnesota. You know True. it's sad, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Yes. Uh, so well, thank you all for joining us. I appreciate everybody who's on the show and all of you who will show up in, in the next few minutes. I do appreciate that. Uh, we are going to go through our usual four quarters of fun today. You are watching the Sun Solar Panel, where it's always free, it's always fresh, and always talks about suns nonstop. So in these four quarters, uh, we're going to recap the week first, make sure we're all level set and caught up with the team, uh, just in case so you know where in time we are we are doing this if you're watching it later. Second quarter, we're going to talk about all-star selections. Uh, and then third quarter, we're going to do some true or false questions that uh, should get some of our juices going. And then in the final quarter, we're going to um, preview the next week's games. So that's how today's show is going to go. First things first, let's recap what happened since last time we spoke to you guys on YouTube. The Suns went 4-0. They are now on a nine-game win streak. In the past week, they've gotten wins over the Indiana Pacers, who were not playing any of their top six players because of injury and COVID. Then they played the Utah Jazz on Monday, who were not playing any of their top starters because of injury and COVID. Then they played the Jazz again in Utah, and they had about half of their, most of their players back, but neither of their two All-Stars. And then Friday night, played the Minnesota Timberwolves, who were mostly healthy, as relatively speaking, compared to everybody else the Suns are facing lately. Relatively speaking, 
Um, they played a fairly healthy Minnesota team who was without an all-star in D'Angelo Russell. And after the game, although uh, the Bulls played really well, we'll talk about each of the games a little bit, but Bulls played really well. But after the game and uh, Anthony Edwards, the, the recent number one pick, um, had a career high 10 assists in that game. And the Wolves actually played the Suns uh, close the entire night. He said, I don't want to be a point guard. I don't want to bring the ball up. I hate bringing the ball up. I just want to be a scorer. We need D'Angelo back. D'Angelo Russell had suffered a shin bruise against the Warriors the game before. So uh, there's there's your week. The Suns are 4-0. They should have gone 4-0. If you're one of those people that that just trust that uh, you, know, you, you should get your job done, take care of business, the Suns are doing that. If you're one of those that says wins don't matter if they're not, you're not playing a fully healthy team, well, nobody in the NBA is fully healthy these days. So let's let's I'm going to send it around the around the room here. Zona, what's your take on the four wins this week? Yeah, I mean, obviously they they played a lot of teams that were banged up, but they were pretty banged up themselves, and that's just kind of what this season has become. It's it's just survival of the fittest, and uh, you know, winning these games without DeAndre and Javale. And, uh, you know, Payne and Crowder, it just shows how deep this team is, like from top to bottom. So uh, overall, pretty impressive week. And, you know, Booker continues to shine. And, you know, going back to like our, our last couple of shows, he's kind of forgotten how to shoot threes again while the everything else is going, um, which is kind of what we predicted. But, yeah, it's, it's just been really fun to watch this team continue to, to iron out wins. And every game feels the same. I tweeted it. It's just like, a, you know, they'll – Start start off hot in the first. The the other team starts to come back, um, and then they pull away in the third, and then in the fourth, you know the other team makes this, like a fake comeback, and then the Suns just kind of close it out, and it just keeps happening. Rinse it happened all week, every way. week. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it just feels like the whole season's been like that, honestly. But, uh, but yeah, I think they just kind of want to pad their clutch stats, so they just let teams come back, and then they just bury them. So. It's well, pretty nice that, uh, sorry, PLR, just want to say, it's pretty nice that um, this is what we can lament these days, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't take it for granted. This is a very, very fun time to be a, a Suns fan. What do you say, Paul? I, I just think it's tough. Uh, and Wow, well, I, I think I saw like Monty there. It, it's, it's tough. Every every game is tough. I just, it's hard to put a team away for four quarters. It, it, it's, it's just rough. I don't care who you who you play. They get paid to. They have pride as well. And the Suns now are a get-up for a team. So it's not like, you know, the old Suns where, you know, they go up and then they lose the lead and then they go away. Teams circle them on their schedule now. So you're going to get the best out of their bench. You're going to get the best out of their 10-day contract guy. You're going to get the best out of their starter. So, the, yeah, they may start slow, but there will always be that run or that catch up because it's it's kind of a nice problem to have to be the circle team. It means that they're actually a team that everyone respects and everyone looks forward to playing. I much prefer this than the old days, uh, circa 2016, where they were winning you know, 14, 15 games and we're trying to think of ways to explain a, yet another loss. So it's, 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 I think it'll be like this the rest of the year, but notice when they play good teams, they play a lot better. The focus is better. Their concentration level is better. And it's nice to see it when they, when they're putting away 
um, good teams. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a really good point. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but I was just going to say, uh, it's it's also good that they have something to play for, I think, with uh, trying to get Monty Williams to coach the All-Star game. Um, and before they had that huge win streak, they're trying to protect. So, you know, they've had multiple things throughout the season where maybe some teams might fall asleep. They've had that motivation to keep pushing. So uh, I love the quotes just about trying to get Monty that, that All-Star coaching nod last night from uh, Book and CP. Yep. You... Uh, um... I don't know if you if you're referring to what Book and CP said after last night's game, after Friday night's game. Yeah. Uh, one of the report, Dwayne Rankin said, "Hey, you guys are only one win away from guaranteeing Monty Williams gets Monty Williams and his coaching staff get to uh, coach the All Star game." And and they both played the part. They were both like, "What? Really? Is that true?" You know, and then they laughed and they said, well, of course we know that. That's what we've been going for. <laughs> so they 100 percent know that they uh, that they are playing to get Monty Williams and his coaching staff in the all star game. Uh, and uh, their sons are just one win away. That's how far ahead. There's five games until the uh, until the coaches are decided for best. You know, whoever has got the best record in each conference, that coaching staff coaches uh, one team in the all star game. And there's five games left before that happens, before that final decision. But the Suns have such a lead on on the second best team in the West that they uh, they only need one more win. That's it. So you make it a ten game win streak. Monty Williams and his staff go to the go to the uh, All Star game. Uh, uh, otherwise, all you got to do is win one of the next four. But the way the Suns are playing these days. Uh, they're gonna they're they're gonna win that for that next one pretty quickly. We'll talk about the upcoming games here at the end. One thing I wanted to point out, and we uh, uh, folks in the chat have been talking about it a little bit, is that um, the Suns need a little bit more depth in a couple of positions. We'll talk about the trade deadline in a little bit, but um, Chris Paul has been playing almost forty minutes a night for the past week. This is thirty-six year old Chris Paul. He came one rebound shy of a triple-double on Monday, and he got a triple-double on Friday. And this is a dude who earlier this season, until Cameron Payne went down with a sprained wrist, he'd only been playing 32, 31 minutes a game. And that's much more manageable for uh, your 36-year-old who you want to be healthy at, at, at the All-Star break. Um, or excuse me, uh, in the playoffs. <laughs> who cares about the All-Star break? But in the playoffs, you want him to be healthy. And now the Suns are kind of grinding him into a nub. Monty Williams was thrilled on Friday night, derisively, you know, grimly, whatever you want to call it. He was thrilled that he he kept uh, Chris Paul below 40 minutes when he was at 37 and a half. Uh, so, yeah, that's um, that's 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 something you got to worry about is because the Suns do not have a third point guard who can run the team they don't know uh, Landry Shamit can do a little bit he got five assists on Friday but not consistently he only got 16 minutes of playing time even though he had a great game so Monty's probably going to say I, I should have played Landry more um, Landry Shamit made four threes uh, and he had five assists I mean that's perfect right but he's not an on-ball guy and Devin Booker had nine assists on Friday night but as much as we all loved the idea of point book books already got a lot on his plate that he doesn't like, kind of like Anthony, Anthony Edwards said on the other side, um, he'd rather book would rather score and be a secondary playmaker than uh, be the primary guy. Yet the Suns 
don't have much options because Alfred Payton has not looked very good. So what do you guys think that let's, is it more important for the Suns just to grind out win after win after win and get Monty Williams in the all-star game, for example, or get the most wins in the West, or should the Suns have been resting Chris Paul more as painful it is, as it is to watch Alfred Payton PLR, you go first. No, he has to play. And I don't think it has anything to do with necessarily getting Monty in the all-star game. I think it has to do with winning basketball games. Um, as you said, he played about 31, 32 minutes with the healthy, healthy, I can't speak this morning, with the healthy uh, with the campaign. Healthy? I know, huh? When when Cam comes back, I'm sure he'll be back to that 31 minutes. Um, and I, maybe I'm going to sound callous when I say this, but asking a, a professional paid athlete to up his minutes, six minutes while they're in a rough patch of, of injury, to me, isn't a lot. And I know I'm sounding like, old man, get off my lawn, but but older guys. Back in my day. I mean, I'm sorry. Older guys used to play. Kareem used to play in low tops. Uh, so we, and again, <laughs> and again, I, I know I'm sounding like old guy, but I think <laughs> you play the 37 minutes, not that you play 37 minutes. And I'm, I'm stealing this from watching the Laker game. I saw LeBron play 39 minutes. He probably played six minutes of defense the whole game. The rest of the game, he, ex- he ex- exerted all his energy on the offense. So, and he had those two exciting steal and fast break dunks, but then he got injured and he's been out. Yeah, well, but my point though is it's how you play your minutes, and and the Suns aren't grinding him uh, the same type of minutes. They're not pressing. They're not running the ball up the court. When Chris is in the game, it's slow. It's methodical. So, it's not your usual thirty-seven minutes. So. I think if it's something that he has to do for a week or two, I don't think it would be, you know, if, if that's what ruins the playoffs, then I think there was something else underlying to begin with. If you're just adding an extra six, seven minutes for a couple week stretch. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think, uh, you know, good luck trying to tell CP to, to sit too. That's, that's the other thing that we're forgetting is like, he's a fiery competitor, especially in the moment. So, uh, even when he comes out for a couple of minutes there in the fourth, every once in a while, like during his scheduled, like off time um, before they put him back in, he, you could tell he's pissed off. So um, I, don't, I don't think he wants to come out and they're going to continue to play him. Hopefully not 40 plus minutes, like every night, but it'll probably be in the high thirties and uh, just helping close out games. But if there's some more blowout like wins ahead, once they get everyone back, then that could be the time to kind of, you know, cut his minutes a little bit and get him ready for, for the playoffs. But, but yeah, uh, third triple double is the Sun moves up to seventh all time on the list. Passes Suns legend Alfred Payton, who he was tied with at two. He, oh man, wow. that is hard to swallow. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> and he joins uh, Penny Hardaway and Eric Bledsoe as the uh, tied for seventh with three. So yeah, he's he just doesn't. It's wild. Uh, I yeah, understand. so I was wondering about that. I didn't have a chance to look it up. Thank you for doing mm-hmm. that or, or noticing. Uh, he only had one triple double last year for the Suns. He's already got two this year, and so this guy is aging like fine wine. Man, this guy he he's playing great. And what I love is there was a couple of instances on on Friday that we asked about after the game, and I'm sure you guys noticed. But one time, Chris Paul was livid that they didn't inbound the ball to him. It was, I think it was third quarter. Cam Johnson got it and just oh, started yeah. dribbling up the court. 
and he was yelling at Cam Johnson to give me the ball, give me the ball. He's throwing his arms. We could all see it. Cam just to say, ah, no, and then he drives into the teeth of the defense and gets an and one. And so we asked Chris Paul about it after the game, and Chris Paul's like, hey, look, man, for, they were asked, what went through, what was going through your head when you were doing that? He's like, what was going through my head was telling myself to shut up <laughs> after he saw how it worked out. Uh, and then um, and then he said, uh, and then Cam Johnson, we t- asked Cam Johnson about that, about ignoring Chris Paul and taking the ball down himself. He's like, well, I was thinking about passing it back to him, but then I saw that all it took was him yelling for a defender to completely ignore me and run to Chris Paul, even though I had the ball. So then I was wide open. I decided, why not just drive into the defense? <laughs> and I mean, that's that's right there is is a sign of how competitive Chris Paul is, like exhaustingly competitive sometimes for his opponents for sure. And then um, how how uh, how into it, how how alive, how how present Cam Johnson is in the moment that he noticed that you know the defense, and he was he trusted himself to drive right into the defense. Cam Johnson. Tell me off the top of your head, you guys might already know this. How many times did Cam Johnson have a three-point possession in the fourth quarter last night, Friday night? Let's go with four. Maybe. Four. I was about to say three, but guessing. I forgot one. Oh, he had three threes. He was three for three on threes and that three-point play all in the fourth quarter of that game. And every time it put the Suns from um, half a dozen points ahead or four points ahead to – you know, three more. And that was killer. And even the uh, uh, the Minnesota coach, Chris Finch, said after the game, it's like they hit a three. or And, and guess who else made a three in the fourth quarter? Landry Shamit. Landry Shamit finally is hitting, finally took Friday. It took until Friday for him to hit some open threes. It would sure be nice if he'd start making his shots the way he used to on, on prior teams. Look, he's not the greatest player in the world, Landry Shamit, but You've got to be able to hit those open shots, man. You've got to be able to hit them, and he finally did. Hey, Dave, um, can, I, can I say something about triple double? Yeah. It's a real, it's a real triple double. And 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 again, I'm going to sound like old man, get off my lawn. But triple doubles used to be something when Magic used to get them back in the day because they were as you got them in, in the game. They were part of the game. They were a natural flow. Chris gets them in the natural flow of the game, not mm-hmm. a stat line. I think that. I think that means a lot. So when uh, when Zona was naming off the people who got him, I think it, it's it seemed more real because it's a real accomplishment when you get it like that. Not a teammate misses a shot on purpose so you can get it, or you know this one ties it so you're you're hunting your centers out the way so you can get a rebound. <laughs> Russell Westbrook. I, I was trying not to do that. So it was a it, it was it was a real triple double, and so. I think that has more meaning to it. I'd rather see someone have six or seven a year than 40 because, to me, it tells me they're more in the flow of the game than just for the sake of getting them. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, I love watching Chris Paul. I love actually how his fans – or excuse me, how the other team's fans complain about him. I don't, I don't watch Reddit. I certainly don't go into anybody else's Reddit uh, comments or anything like that or – whatever, but um, those get shared on, on Twitter and they run by my feed and man, do fans hate Chris Paul when he does his winning time things. I mean, it's just the one guy was just like, I just can't believe how hard he plays and how, how he does just so many things to create winning moments. And I just absolutely can't stand him. 
Although I would love him if he was on my team. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and I know I yeah. didn't like Chris Paul until he became a Phoenix Sun, but now I now I appreciate the hell out of that guy. Yeah, he, he's an evil genius. That's the only way to put it. Just, I mean, the way he closes out games too, just like doing those little things. Like uh, he had Jared Van- Vanderbilt on him, and he was like motioning like everyone get back in like the most dramatic way, just to like kind of amp him up, and then he ends up drawing a foul on him. Like once he get passes half court, and then <laughs> Nutmegan, uh, Torian Prince, oh god, drawing the and foul, then and then just getting shoved. And I was wondering <laughs> at the time why was he walking away from the shove, but it's because he had just nutmegged the guy <laughs> with seconds yeah. left in the game. <laughs> yeah, he just the little things like that. He's just, I mean, the Wolves are talking all game. Their their bench was talking with the Suns and, and Booker all game. So I think there's definitely anytime it gets like there's like chirping going on, like that fiery. Uh, competitor in, in Paul and in Booker and all those guys, especially uh, Crowder, whenever he's healthy, it, it'll come out at the end of games. And that's, you know, that's why they just keep winning these close games. Sometimes I wake up uh, or I'm just sitting there in a meeting and, and my daydreaming or whatever it is. And I, and I realize we don't talk enough about Chris Paul. So I'm glad we've had a few minutes to talk about Chris Paul because he came fully actualized. He's not like Devin Booker who grew up with us. He came fully actualized. He's had this longest, longest career comes to the Suns. I mean, this guy is just He's hitting all these milestones, but he achieved most of the work in those milestones before he got to the Suns. And so we don't have that, that, love affair connection like we did with Steve Nash and, and Sean Marion and Devin Booker now and even DeAndre Ayton, uh, guys like that, uh, Mikkel Bridges, Cam Johnson. There's almost more of a love affair with those guys than there is with Chris Paul because we take him for granted so much. And I, I worry that, you know, that we're going to look back on this and say, God dang, we did not fully appreciate how great Chris Paul was. You know, I am knocking on wood right now. Because we'll, we would, I, I fear that we would greatly appreciate it if he got injured at some point. And, uh, he's likely to miss some time at some point. Hopefully it's not. We just have to allow for it. And hopefully Cam Payne will be back by then because I can't stand the idea of uh, Alfred Payton 35 minutes a night. That guy's so hard to watch. Oh, Zona, I, I thought Dave was about to drop some, drop some rap bars. He said, sometimes when I'm a, Alone by myself and daydream. I thought he was gonna go LL on us. When I'm alone in my room, sometimes I stare at the wall. I was, I was like, Dave's dropping some rap bars. Who knew? You forgot. Knew? You forgot my skin color for a second, man. I got none of that in me. None at all. New handle. Dave King has bars. God. The, the thumbnail for this video can be uh, Dave, Dave King raps. It'd be the saddest rap in the history of uh, rap attempts. That's for sure. And I didn't even know I was doing it. Yeah. I was like, wow, check Dave out. <laughs> um, so, Hey, so anyway, Monty Williams is just one week, one game, one win away from uh, coaching the, in the all-star game. So let's, let's use this as our segue into a section we are going to call all-star snubs. Now we're going to talk through the whole thing again, but, um, and we always knew they weren't going to start Devin Booker and Chris Paul, but we're going to talk about it anyway, because I want to talk, I want us to talk openly about the legitimacy of these guys not starting in the game. 
while also admitting that, you know, it's, it's a fan, it's a fan thing, right? They have more fans in the Bay area and uh, John Morant has bigger dunks and all that. But so let's talk about that. So what happened? Let's just, just recap, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the fans, media and players all voted for the starters in the all-star game for 2022. The coaches will pick the reserves this coming week, but the starters um, were picked by a combination of fans, media, and players. In the West, you've got two starters at guard and three starters at forward. The two starters at guard are Steph Curry, who got the second most votes overall for any all-star player at any position. I'm sorry, in the West. He got the second most votes overall at any position in the West uh, behind LeBron James who is also a starter. And then you've got John Morant and you've got uh, Nikola uh, Jokic. And then finally, you've got a guy named Andrew Wiggins, who is a starter in the 2022 All-Star Game. Andrew effing Wiggins is a starter in the 2022 All-Star Game. What do you guys think about that, Zona? Uh, it's a joke, and uh, I hope Adam Silver does something about it because until he does, there's no way for for anyone to take the, the All Star Game seriously. Uh, I think they need to reformat the whole voting structure. You know, make it uh, you know in an era where positions like don't really matter. Like, why why not just do two guards, two front court, and one wild card? That way, there's more flexibility with the starters instead of just sticking with three front court and enforcing someone like Wiggins in. Um, I have no problem with uh, John Morant and Steph Curry getting the, the starting nods. I think they're, they both had uh, great seasons in their own right. Um, obviously, you know, you'd like to see one of Booker or Paul start. But, but yeah, I think Wiggins getting in just kind of shows that maybe we should tone down the fan vote a little bit. Let's make it like a three-way split with the, the coaches and media instead of that being 50-50. Uh, maybe like 33.3 across the board just like an even split. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wiggins has no business, you know, starting, <laughs> let alone being an all-star at all. That's just the Warriors fans, uh, you know, props to them. They, they took advantage of the system and hopefully uh, they, you know, this, the ripple effect actually changes the way the all-star voting goes uh, moving forward. Did you guys hear the rumor that it was uh, K-pop that actually did it? Did you guys hear this? Yeah. I heard about that. That's what uh, do you think PLR? Um, I'm I'm different on all this stuff. First, I want to go to the voting because I think it's what a coincidence that Steph was leading the votes and LeBron somehow going back to Cleveland surpassed him to be a captain in Cleveland. So that's that's a whole different that's a whole different. Oh, thing. you're a conspiracy theorist. But but I have no problems with Wiggins starting, <laughs> and I have, and I have no fan, problem with the fan vote. I I think the All Star Game. Is for the fans. I, I I still like the positions. I mean, I I I'm just old man. I should wore I should have worn a shirt that said "old man" on on my chest today because I liked it when they had a center, two forwards, and two guards. I, I I really did. And so when they went to front court, fine. But I think if when you when you get out of the pos, the positions, the one thing that the Suns do better than any team in the NBA is everyone has a role, and you still see guys playing not necessarily traditional positions, but when you sub out and in the NBA, generally a forward subs for a forward. 
generally a guard subs for a guard. So even though everyone wants to say, well, we're positionless, well, no, you're not really. You're still kind of positioned. And then with with Wiggins, he's played well, and he's a three. So if he's a front court guy and he has the votes, that had to be supported somewhat by writers and, and you know by by that other wing. So I, I'm not. I don't really have an issue with that because it's a fan's game. I'm still upset that years ago, maybe three or four, when Derrick Rose was having that comeback year and the fans voted him to start and everyone else said, well, no, he doesn't deserve it. So, no, it's still the fans' game. I I think back in the, back the way it was, the fans voted the starters and the coaches fixed the problem. So the fans would go off on their, you know, their craziness and do whatever. I think the way you change the voting is not necessarily do that. But back in the old days, they used to give these punch cards. So when you're at the game, <clears throat> you punch the hole in, you drop them in a thing, or you go to like, like Walmart, you get them, you punch the hole and pop them in. I think maybe the votes in person should weigh more than the votes online. Because you can have some computer nerd with 70 logons voting all day hooked up to a computer system. Whereas if the fans are actually at the game, weigh their votes more because they're actually in the arena. Maybe that's a way you offset some of the fan voting and don't have K-pop or a Jenner or whoever saying vote for my vote for my guy, yeah. log on and do this. So maybe that's how you offset it. But I, I have no problem with the with the starting five. Yeah, PLR, that's a really great point that it, it's it's a fan game. So why not let the fans choose who at least tips off at the beginning of the game and then make sure everybody else gets their, you know, the coaches and players and media get their say as well. Uh, but it is a fans game and it's okay that the fans get the, the majority of, of credit. But I, and I really like your idea to make sure that it's actually NBA fans. Now, maybe it's not um, uh, that they have to have been to a game because then there's that barrier of cost to go to games and stuff like that. But there's got to be a way to make sure that it's really fans voting and not bots voting or K-pop or some people who don't care at all. Although we were all really happy about um, uh, uh, Devin Booker's girlfriend getting all of her fans to vote for Devin Booker. So maybe we're, maybe we're hypocritical. <laughs> because they're not NBA fans either. Um, but yeah, so do we think that the um, the voting for the guards, okay, so what we're, we're, we're arguing about is whether that fifth starter had to have been a forward or could it have been any position. Um, one of the folks in the chat had a great idea that um, really that um, that fifth position could be in any, any position player because teams do go smaller more than they ever have. Um, so I think that's that's a fine idea. But you know what? We're all just being reactive to who was actually picked. If Paul George, Draymond Green, although it's weird that the Warriors fans turned on Draymond Green and chose Andrew Wiggins first, which is why I don't think it was Warriors fans who did it. Uh, but you've got if you had health from Kawhi Leonard, those guys, we wouldn't be complaining at all. So I just think we just don't like the fact that it was Wiggins, who's really the third or fourth best player on his own team, got in. And I think even Wiggins is shocked over this. <laughs> and I don't know how, how, how that's going to sit with him if he gets way too much ribbing uh, from fans or other players or anything like that. Although the players gave Wiggins the sixth most votes in front court voting. So the players also respect Wiggins. 
the ones who don't respect Wiggins is the media and uh, the the non Warriors fans or non K pop fans. Um, so that, that is quite interesting. So we've got those all stars now. What do you think, PLR? You're a Bulls fan, so I'm going to give you the soapbox just a little bit. What do you think about Demar Derozan in that in the in the starting lineup of the All Star game? Absolutely love it and deserved. And the Chicago fans fans stood up and voted for that. I mean, to be honest with you, they came close to having two starters because Zach was right. Zach Levine was right up there as well. Um, basketball in Chicago has been a lot like basketball in, in Phoenix uh, over the over the few last few years. It's been really hard to watch, and then all of a sudden. They turned the corner hard this year, just like the Suns turned the corner hard last year. And the fans are recognizing that. And DeMar DeRozan, the difference is to DeMar has been YouTubeable this year. And it's a word that I don't know if it's a word, but I've been using it. He's been YouTubeable. He's hit like three game winners in a row. That's a career he's dunked, list. He's, he's dunked on people. He's done different things. And as big of a Devin Booker fan as I am, I don't think he'll ever start an all-star game because he's not YouTubeable. YouTube don't watch mid-range jump shots. YouTube, they don't, yeah. you don't watch that. You watch highlights. So John ja Morant taking a ball and blocking it with two hands and the alley-oops and the dunks and Steph Curry shooting from the parking lot. All that stuff is YouTubeable. What DeMar and Zach Levine do, that's YouTubeable. So I think that's that's the difference. He may be the better player. He may end up in like 10 all-star games and never start one just because he's not YouTubeable. And and that makes a big, big difference. But yeah, DeMar deserved it. I think Zach will make it as well. And uh, is it still YouTubeable Chris, or is it really TikTokable? I mean, it, is YouTube still the thing? Same same thing. I mean, but I, I know that I coach kids. <laughs> I coach kids, and and when I hear them, when I hear the oh boy, now he's now he's a beatbox on it. When, uh, <laughs> when when I when I hear them, when I when I'm listening to them, they're talking about. Did you see? Did you see the game winner? Did you see the dunk? Did you see the pass? You, unfortunately, our guys in Phoenix, that's not that's not them, and and it's too bad that it's not them because I think that's actually hurting them not just in all-star games. I think it's hurting Booker as an MVP candidate. So I think a lot of that has to do with whose eyes are on you and how you get the groundswell for where you are. It's kind of sad, but that's just truth. I'll, I'll close out with this because we're going to move on to our true false here pretty soon, but I'll close out with a with this. The NBA.com, I don't know how they calculate this, but they um, have a weekly MVP ladder top 10 players um, in the MVP conversation. Again, I don't know how they determine it. Uh, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to comment that way, but there are 10 players on this past week's list. Um, two of them are Chris Paul and Devin Booker. They're kind of canceling each other out a little bit. Uh, the other eight are starters in the all-star game. Devin Booker and Chris Paul are the only two players in the top 10 of MVP voting who are not starting in the all-star game. I'm not going to quibble uh, on the guards. I think Steph should start. He is, he has, he is just the most exciting guy to watch, you know, shooting a basketball and, um, you know, I'll, I'll credit to Devin Booker, but Steph Curry is more fun to watch. Devin Booker is more efficient this year. Uh, and then you've got John Morant, who is just so exciting to watch at both ends, just drive, you know, just, speed with the ball and all that. I don't, I don't complain about those at all. So good for them. Uh, but it is interesting 
that on the on a top 10 MVP list, the only two who are not starting in the All-Star game are the two who play for the best team in the league. Yeah, my, my only gripe is basically for, for years now, it seems like winning has mattered with the, this kind of stuff until the Suns got good. Like that's, I don't know, the, the, yeah. the goalposts have kind of shift, shifted a little mm-hmm. bit. And like, that's my only problem, like with the lack of attention and all that. But that doesn't really matter to me anymore. Like this all-star game, I don't, in the grand scheme of things, it's just for entertainment. So uh, that's not a big deal. But uh, in terms of, you know, just our guys getting the love that I think that they should get, uh, it just seems like in general, the media has just kind of slept on the suns and just no one talks about them. And they're, they're, uh, you know, they're on historic pace right now. And you know, what I'm having like- trouble with, you know, you said the media don't talk about the suns. You're absolutely right. But you know what I'm having trouble with is I think the suns have become this generation's spurs. Yeah. Nobody talked about the Spurs when they won four championships in 19 years. People always were looking for the next best, next big team, including the Suns during the during the seven seconds or less years. But it was the Spurs who knocked the Suns out most of those years and ended up winning the ring. So um, I think, you know, if you look back on it, uh, people in San Antonio and people who were not hating on the Spurs, recognize that Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Monte Ginobili, and Greg Popovich were some of the nicest actual players in the history of the game. But on the court, they would do whatever it took to beat you. They would do Chris Paul-like things uh, to piss you off, especially opposing team's fans. And and Monty Williams comes from the pop tree, basically. Um, He's learned a lot of what he got great at as a coach from pop. So I really think that this that the Suns would be are th- would be thrilled if if somebody told them, hey, you guys are kind of remind me of the Spurs of the of the two thousands. They're like, great, give us twenty years, man. We'll do it. We'll take it. Yeah, that's a good point. The goal, they, well, they're not flashy. They just kind of they just get the job done. And and uh, like PLR said, they're they're not YouTubeable. Uh, they don't really have like yeah. that one guy that makes these crazy plays like game after game that they can market. Uh, I wish the NBA did a better job marketing Booker, but now, that's a topic for another day. Um, but, yeah, go ahead, PLR. I was going to say, Zona, when you said goalposts, it's like the Suns are kicking the Arena League and everybody else is kicking in the in the NFL. Goalposts completely different. <laughs> totally different. All right, let's move on to our next section. Although right now, before we move on, because this next section is going to talk about a couple of things, but uh, a little bit related to the upcoming trade deadline, which happens in 10 days. I want to. Re- I want you guys to know the ones who are watching on YouTube. If you're not subscribed to our show on the podcast apps, our audio version of this show, we have midweek shows all the time. This past three weeks, I've had four different NBA insiders talking about the trade deadline, talking about what are the Suns going to do at the trade deadline, what uh, what could the Suns do, what kind of players are available that the Suns might be targeting. You really n- need to listen to those episodes. Um, so I'm going to play a quick ad right here just to just to tell you where to find us on your podcast app. So just give me give me 30 seconds here and we'll come back and we'll talk about the trade deadline a little bit on this. Show. For those watching this episode on YouTube, I've got some news for you. You're only getting half the story. The Solar Panel Podcast delivers you an additional special episode every Wednesday with a national personality from places like The Ringer, The Athletic, Bleacher Report, Sports Illustrated, ESPN, NBA.com and everyone else. You'll hear what the non-locals think about the Suns and the NBA in general. It's a new feed, though. You've got to click some buttons. Forget the old one. Get the new one. Go to your favorite pod app, 
Search for Solar Panel Podcast with the orange logo. While you're there, subscribe, rate, and review. And if you leave me a five-star review, I'll give you props on the air. For those who haven't picked up on it after all this time, if you used to be subscribed to our podcast feed and you're wondering why it's only you're only listening to Espo and uh, Gerald and, and those guys is because Espo took that feed to, with him to the PHNX <clears throat> network and we had to create a new feed. So if you're not getting our podcast on your app and you're wondering what happened to us and what the heck I'm talking about, find the show. Go find the show. They're called PHNX. We're called Solar Panel. It's a new feed, so uh, please subscribe. All right, so let's move on. True or false? I've got some burning questions for you guys. We're going to iterate through this, um, and we're going to the themes here are uh, something that I'm grappling with. The more time passes, the more grapple I I experience um, regarding DeAndre Ayton and his replacements at center this year. DeAndre Ayton has missed time. He's missed a lot of time. He's missed, I think, it's 17 games now, uh, four different stretches. And the Suns have had some career experiences, career years from his replacements. The latest is Bismarck Biombo. I don't know how much you guys have watched Bismarck Biombo in, in his career, but he had averages, career averages of like five points and six rebounds. Um, he's had four double-doubles uh, since joining the Suns uh, about 10, 15 games ago. Uh, to you guys, Biombo, I wrote it. I wrote it differently in the in the show notes. So I'm going to ask you guys. Just listen to the question: Is Biombo a representative replacement uh, for DeAndre Ayton in high leverage situations? Why and why not? And I'm going to start with PLR. No, uh, Chris Paul is doing what he does to non-shooting centers. He's getting them paid and making their career. See uh, DeAndre Jordan, who couldn't do anything without him. So I, I think uh, he he's helping Bismack Biombo do what he's doing um, as an add-on. No, he's not a replacement for. I hope I'm answering this correctly for mm-hmm. DeAndre Aiden mm-hmm. because DeAndre Aiden will relieve some of that 37 minutes and some of that pressure off of what uh, Chris Paul has to do just because of his ability to to shoot to command double teams, <clears throat> excuse me, and to do a lot of the things that um, uh, Bismack just can't do offensively. So if we want to see Chris's minutes go down, it's not just going to be campaign coming back. It's going to be a healthy DeAndre Aiden being able to do a lot of the things with Booker and with some other guys that he has really good chemistry with. So, uh, yes, kudos to Biombo for what he's doing. But I call I call that the Chris Paul non-offensive scoring Chris center Paul star effect. maker yep yep without a doubt. zona yeah plr hit it right on the head i think it's just the chris paul effect just uh making bigs look a lot better than they are but uh you have to give kudos at the same time to Bayamo because he's been incredible and just playing the high energy role just staying active running to the, to the rim hard and he knows he's going to get rewarded so that's just kind of it goes hand in hand with playing with paul uh, if you play hard he's going to find you and uh you know the whole you know, eight and replacement thing is, is an interesting question because <clears throat> on one hand, you know, Chris Paul makes bigs look a lot better, but what happens when Chris Paul's gone? I mean, the guy's old and if you're, if you're looking towards the future and, and you're trying to replace Aiden with like these mid-level guys, then, you know, once, once Paul's done, like what, what are you going to do? So <clears throat> I think that's one uh, way to look at it. 
Yeah. Um, what I'll say is that uh, Wednesday night's game in Utah was a was a window into the playoffs for me, or at least the 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 bad part of what could possibly negatively happen in the playoffs. What the Jazz were doing was uh, what the Jazz wanted to do was get the ball out of Booker and and uh, and Chris Paul's hands, and so they were doing they tried to foul off ball. And to the point where there's a rule now in the NBA, if you foul off ball um, and, and there's more than two minutes left in the game, then it's just a regular common foul, just like a take foul that we all hate on the fast break after a turnover. If you foul off ball, it's just simply a side out and that's it. And so that stops any kind of um, unsettled defense situation where Chris Paul or Devin Booker can can break you down. Um, but inside of two minutes, if you foul off ball, not only do they get the free throws, but the, the team the team gets free throws inside out. So what Monty did is he kept Jalen Smith in the game until two minutes left because he didn't want to reward the Jazz with putting uh, Biombo, who looks like he's he's throwing um, a refrigerator into the back of a truck when he's showing shooting uh, shooting a free throw. Um, he just, he doesn't have great form. He's never been very good at shooting free throws. And that's the way to get the Suns to score fewer points on a possession. Um, if you're trying to close out a deficit. So the, the, the thing that worries me is that Bismack, Bismack would be fouled or would not be playable in the playoffs because of free throw shooting. Now, if he makes one of two, great, but guess what? It wasn't two points that the Suns could have otherwise had. It wasn't three points that the Suns could have otherwise had. So, but as soon as two minutes hit. Monty put Bismack back in and all was good because the, the Jazz couldn't do the off-ball foul anymore. Although you can foul him in the pick and roll. And I don't know if you remember this, but with I think it was 152 to go yeah, in that game. Yeah, if he's he in the in action. And, right, he was in the action. And so I remember distinctly hearing EJ saying on a telecast, keep yeah. him out of the pick and roll action. Uh, or maybe it wasn't EJ. I forget who it was that said it. Keep him out of the pick and roll action because then he can be fouled. So right. not only so you got to watch how you do it. That's that old Shack rule, the hack a shack that they in, installed because cats were just filing Shack all willy nilly yeah. to get the ball out of his hand. But that's that's dangerous. That's where DeAndre Aiden is in the game, shooting a good clip at the free throw line. You can't. That's why he he's needed for the Suns to be a legitimate playoff team. Got to have eight. Yeah. Not regular season playoff. Yeah. Yep. No doubt. And my God, they could have used Bismack and JaVale against the Bucks. Just another body to throw at Giannis just to tire him out. Use sure. up those fouls. And, For 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. You're, I don't think he's going to get a lot of minutes, honestly, in the playoffs. But in situations where they need a guy to step in and just give him high energy minutes and just burn those fouls. Um, and if Aiton's in foul trouble, like whatever the case may be, then I, I'm fine with them playing 10 minutes. But nothing outside of that. They, they need DeAndre. We miss DeAndre. Hopefully he comes back soon and, uh, you know, gets that ankle right. Yeah, I don't want to I, I don't want to say anything to, like, make it seem like I don't like Biombo. I love Bismack Biombo. I just don't want to hope to win a championship with him. That's all, as the starting center. That's the only thing I'm pointing out. Um, let's move on to this next question. It's a similar one, but a different player. Uh, JaVale McGee. Can you win a championship with JaVale McGee? And let's just say a, a, a pairing of can you win a championship with JaVale McGee and Bismack Biombo as your center combo if they're healthy? Zona, you first. 
no, no, I don't think so. I think JaVale is a, a great backup center, uh, but you're going to need, you know, in order to win a championship, you're going to need your, your full uh, roster. And I think uh, having Bismack two behind him just really gives them that, that depth they didn't have last year where, if something were to happen, uh, they could withstand at least an injury in, in their uh, depth chart. But, but yeah, no, I you know he is a champion, uh, but it's been you know on on these teams that are you know where he's kind of more of a complimentary piece and maybe not starting or maybe their center is not important. But for the Suns, it is. So I'm going to say no, and that's not a knock on Javale at all. PLR Zona, you, you nailed it with that last statement too. When if he's not important to what you do if if say Mikel was the third guy on the team and he's averaging 16 17 a night and he's their third score and maybe cam or or sham it is their fourth score and the the center is plays kind of like a hybrid then yes but no they need deandre aiden in there to offset that scoring to guard the pick and roll and to do those things so can they win Yes, but would it be awfully hard? It would be damn near impossible because when the playoffs roll around, as much as I like Mikel, we kind of saw what happened last year when they took away Booker and they took away Paul and he had to make shots. So mm-hmm. will he be ready this year? I mean, it's going to happen again, so we'll see. But I'd rather have Aiden taking those shots right now as opposed to someone else. So. I say no, they can't. Yeah, let me let me just uh, say, and I'll I'll throw in my two cents here, between Javale and Bismack and Aiden. There are things that Javale and Bismack do better than Aiden right now. Uh, they can they can block shots at the rim pretty well if they've got the timing right, and they can dive hard harder than Aiden on the pick and roll, and they generally like to dunk harder than Aiden when when they get the ball around the rim. All those things are a little bit better than DeAndre Aiden. The problem is those guys have limitations. They can only play drop defense. They cannot play up to the level of the screen and stay there. They can hedge. They can they can trap really quickly, but then, then they're stuck in no man's land for the rest of the play because they don't have the speed to get back to defend the the rim at the at the other end if they have I mean uh, um, later in the play if they have to. They can only play the drop on defense. And and they can't even play the mid drop where you know the uh, to stop the team from taking mid rangers in the in the middle right around the free throw line like the Suns do. So they they are a little bit limited on defense and obviously on offense. They the only go to move they have is to receive a pass. Last year, DeAndre Aiden, the only go to move he had was to receive a pass. This year, at age 23, he's added the turnaround jump hook that is almost unstoppable and. I mean, you've seen Busy make a couple of those, and and you've seen Javale make a couple of those, but I trust Aiton more. Um, so he's he's just got the package. And the thing is, to win a championship, you never want to downgrade at a spot. Now, Javale McGee has three championships as a starting center: two with the two two with the Warriors, one with the Lakers. You can win a championship with a Javale McGee as your starting center, averaging, you know, ten points and seven rebounds and twenty minutes a game. But you've got to have all stars at your other positions. You've got to have some of the top ten, top five, top ten unguardable players um, in your lineup. And the Suns have two, but you need more than that, I think. Um, so yeah, so could the Suns replace an Aiden with somebody else? Sure, but he's got to be an all star. He's got to be a top 10, 15 player in the league. 
to add to Devin Booker and Chris Paul to negate the need for that center. Um, so yes. Um, and then J.A. Macias in the, in the chat comments on the weak side defense as well. Aiden can stay out on that perimeter and he can recover for weak side defense, which is kind of what I was getting at on the, um, if you push busy or JaVale out into a, a hard hedge or a trap, then they're kind of stuck too far away from the rim and they don't have the speed to get back there. Um, then they become the weak side defender who's out on the perimeter and can't help. Uh, so yeah, so Aiden is just everything you want all wrapped up into one. So, um, Okay, I just wanted us to talk through that because it is interesting how well everyone's been playing, but I think that's regular season. That's not playoffs. My next question, let's turn to the other backup center who's been playing well and has come back basically from uh, no man's land to suddenly look like he might have a career. I'm going to turn this into a two-part true-false, okay? The first part of this true-false is a question, and PLR, you're going to answer first. Is Jalen Smith going to have a better career than Hakeem Warwick? And Hakeem Warwick, I'll tell you, had an eight-year NBA career with career averages of nine points and four rebounds. He started 100 of his 500 games in his career, and um, he played for about four different teams. So what do you think? Is, is, is Jalen Smith going to be better than Hakeem Warwick was? Wow, that's a loaded question. Um will he get the Hakeem Warwick contract that Hakeem got from the Suns? Um, I think uh, comparatively speaking, yeah, he's an athletic guy. Numbers-wise, who knows? But I think he'll, he's a, he's one of them dudes that you look up, you know, nine, ten years, you're like, wow, he's still in the league. So I think he'll he'll always help a team. Um, Hakeem Warwick, uh, who, yeah, let me just say yes. I, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about anybody. Uh, so yeah, he'll he'll be better, have a better career than him. So that's eight years and career averages of nine points, four rebounds, and a hundred starts over four or five teams. Uh, Zona, what do you think? Oh, go ahead, PLR. You were going to say more? Oh no, I was just going to say yeah, yeah. I had to think about it again. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd take it because he'll get he'll get some time somewhere. Okay. Yeah, it probably also depends on like where Jalen Smith ends up, just situation wise. Like if he goes somewhere where he can. You know, get a great opportunity. I can see him him thriving. But if he's ends up like uh, back with the Suns or with another contender, and he's kind of buried on the bench, then then who knows? But I think he's definitely at least proven he's an NBA player just from the the minutes he's had to play and step up in. And uh, so good for him after a rough rookie season. I think I wasn't even the, a big fan of the the pick, obviously, but um, I think you know people are way too harsh on him after one season in a season where they're trying to win a championship and he didn't play. Uh, and it was a weird rookie season for everyone in that draft class too. Like their entire like draft got pushed back to like the, nearly the start of the season. And, uh, you know, the start of this season was like the one year, uh, like halfway, yeah. I think it was like 10 games through the season was like the one year anniversary of him getting drafted. So to that puts things in perspective, like you just have to be, be patient and especially when you're not getting an opportunity to play. So, so I'm glad he's at least proven he belongs in the league and and now we'll see where his career goes, but I'll say, yes, he'll have a better career than Hakeem Warwick. Man. Um, I'm going to say yes, better than Hakeem Warwick too. Uh, the reason I picked Hakeem Warwick, I don't know if you guys are wondering, but the reason I picked Hakeem Warwick is they basically have the same body. Um, Jalen Smith and Hakeem Warwick, Hakeem Warwick was really sticksy. Uh, and, uh, but back then uh, centers were centers and, and guys that shape were, 
were forwards. And so Akeem Work played an entire career as a forward. He only maybe spotted a little bit of time as a as a center. But um, I wonder if Akeem Work would be as effective or more effective in today's NBA, where you can play smaller than he was back then when you had when he had to play power forward and it had no offensive game besides pick and roll and and finishing and stuff like that. So okay, so that's um, Jalen Smith better than Hakeem Warwick. Now my next true false is: Will Jalen Smith have a better career than Rishon Holmes? Now let me break down Rishon Holmes real quick. Rishon Holmes, his first three years of his career, he was a deep backup for the uh, the process Sixers. He he played sparingly his first three years for the Sixers. He got traded to the Suns in an afterthought trade over the summer before the 18-19 season. And he was actually DeAndre Aiden's backup for one year in Phoenix. He And he's that's when he started breaking out. So he played, again, he played, uh, well, he, he again played sparingly, but he played more games for the Suns in that one year for the Suns, 70 games in year four, than he had played uh, for uh, the Sixers in three years prior to that. And then he went straight to Sacramento that next summer as a free agent, and he's been a starter ever since. So basically the career progression for Rishon Holmes, who also has a very similar body type and skill set as Jalen Smith. Rishon Holmes, three years, total backup, kind of kind of playing a little bit of center, a little bit of power forward. Full-time backup center for the Suns in 2018-19 in year four, and then a starter since then, for the Sacramento Kings and topping out an $11 million a year contract four year contract with those Kings. So even when he becomes a free agent at the apex of his career, he's still barely better than a mid-level player, but people love him and he plays hard and all that. So there's there. I'm setting the stage. Now, Zona, you go first. Is he going to have a Rishon Holmes career? Is Jalen Smith going to have a Rishon Holmes career or is he not that good? I'll say no, but that's, about what he should strive for. And I wouldn't be shocked if he passes it because I think he does have a higher ceiling. Um, but yeah, I think Holmes is like probably, he's just a low end starter and could be one of the best backups in the league if he was a backup. So he's kind of in that, you know, that in between. But, uh, you know, Holmes is, is a very solid player that, that, you know, just a solid energy big that can come in and give you, you know, 20, 25 minutes of, of nonstop uh, intensity. So if Jalen can pick up on that and add a skill into it, then, I could see him having a better career, but I think the safe bet is probably, I'm going to say no, um, but I would not rule it out. What do you think, PLR? See, I think that's tough because when you get to mid-level players, it's all based on how good of a team they're on when when you look at stats. So I think Rashawn Holmes does what he does because he does it for a bad team. Whereas if he was with the Suns, he'd still be a backup. His numbers wouldn't be as strong but he may be having a better year. So JaVel McGee can go off and start for the Pistons and have better numbers, but he's having a better year. So it's hard for me to compare those two like that. I think if 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 Sticks ends up on a bad team, if he say he leaves the Suns and he ends up on a bad team, I think he'll have comparable numbers. If he somehow stays with the Suns, then his numbers will never get that good, but he would have a better career. I, I hope the way I explained that make mm-hmm. makes sense. So I, I would say if we go by numbers, no. 
if we go by his ability to, to stick to a winning team, because I think what he's done is shown you that if you put him on a team that can win and he can be a backup to that, he's that guy that has that nine, 10 year career as a, as basically a, a second string quarterback with a clipboard behind a great, behind a great uh, a quarterback. The guy holding the clipboard behind Mahomes is going to have a great career because he'll make a whole lot of money and only have to play a couple times a year and look good because he's only playing a couple times a year. So, I, But I then think if he leaves really what... and goes to a good team, he gets a, or a, a team where he's a starter, a he gets exposed? Team. A bad team? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Scott Mitchell. He'll get the Scott Mitchell effect. So, yeah. uh, you know, so I, I think that's, I think that's sometimes the, the difference. Um, you know, I remember Kenny Smith one time saying he averaged 16 points a game in, in Sacramento, and it was the hardest 16 points a game he averaged because he had no talent around him. Whereas he goes to Houston, plays with Akeem, averages 12-13, and it's the easiest 12-13 he ever got in his life. So I, I think it's this, the same thing when you think of sticks. If he's counted on, yeah, numbers will be there, but someone has to shoot the ball. So I, I, I think numbers-wise and career-wise mm-hmm. – they they're interchangeable based on Rashawn Holmes. So I think there's a pretty good chance that Jalen Smith gets traded in the next 10 days. Um, and the reason we're talking about him is what happens to him post Suns for the most part. Now it could be that James Jones just says, no, nah, I want to keep Jalen Smith because I need a backup. And I actually would not mind um, the Suns going into next season with Jalen Smith as one of the three, you know, uh, at the center rotation with DeAndre Aiden and one of the two of, of Biombo and McGee. Um, I don't know if Jalen wants that. If Jalen wants to go play for another team that will give him more minutes, then he might just sign with somebody else. He will be an unrestricted free agent this summer. The Suns do not have any extra rights on him. Now, we have been talking a lot about how the Suns or any receiving team in a trade would be stuck with capping an offer to him at $4.7 million. We've been stuck on the fact that that's below the taxpayer mid-level that every team will have or the non-taxpayer mid-level that's below all those. The likelihood of Jalen Smith actually still earning a, a contract that size at being so unknown at age 21, it's probably slim. So I think there's probably a better chance for the the Suns or a receiving team to re-sign him than we've been giving credit recently because he was averaging 16 and 10 suddenly there for a while. Um, but I think I don't think he's that much of a danger. And what I've heard from the insiders around the league, and again, listen to our audio podcast. I've been I've talked to four of them in the past three weeks. Jake Fisher, Eric Pincus, um, oh God, I'm drawing a blank. Um, I had uh Mike Scotto on just last night. Um and uh Big apologies to the other dude. Oh, geez. I'm totally forgetting. But anyway, go watch our, our podcast feed. They were all great insights. You know, Keith Smith, NBA. Sorry, Keith. Keith's a friend of the show. He's been on several times. Um, teams are asking about Jalen Smith. Teams are interested in acquiring Jalen Smith. Not for that much. Not for a big haul, but they are interested. So it's not like Jalen Smith is untouchable or, want, or unwanted. It's just that, thanks, Herbie. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot his name for a minute. Um, It's that um, teams will want to give up their own expiring guy. Like there's been talk of Dennis Schroeder coming back to the Suns. I I worry about Dennis from a locker room point of view. He's always seen himself as better than he is. And that's tough in this kind of locker room where everyone accepts their role. But someone like uh, either a playmaker 
to help support, you know, hey, maybe we don't have to play Alfred the rest of the year or a shooter. Although if, if Landry Shimmett starts hitting shots, then that's less of a need or a big forward. I mean, uh, the the outlandish idea, the crazy idea that came up twice this week in my talks with those guys was Harrison Barnes. Um, you could conceivably you could trade charge sticks and like someone like an Abdul Nader or maybe just shards and six and get Harrison Barnes back. And Harrison Barnes only has one more year guaranteed after this, I believe, um, you know, adding him to the forward rotation, that'd be pretty nice. So a combo guard. Yeah. Everyone's talking about Eric Gordon. Um, maybe, but Houston's being weird. They want a first round pick for him and they probably don't want to take anything back that has money next year for him. And so they're not going to want Dario back because Dario has money next year, almost 10 million. Um, there's a weird poison pill thing. I don't know if it works for uh, Joe, sir, suggested s- sticks and Shamit for Barnes. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm confused on the whole Shamit thing. I know four point play broke it down on his newsletter and all that, but I'm still a little confused. There's weird money with Shamit. Um, he could be traded. Sure. But it's not easy to get him into a trade because there's different money going out than in as far as salary cap credits. Um, and and so I don't I don't know about uh, Eric Gordon would be great for the Suns, excellent for the Suns. I don't know if the Suns can actually make that happen. And Houston wants a first round pick for sure for him, and I'm not sure he's worth the Suns giving up a first round pick for, no matter how much James Jones doesn't like it. My question for you guys, the last true false question for you is, will the Suns trade someone other, someone unexpected, in the next two weeks? Someone other than Dario Sticks or a mid uh, a, a minimum salary guy. Uh, PLR, you go first. Will someone other than Sticks, Dario, or a minimum salary guy get traded in the next two weeks? I really hope not. To be honest with you, um, anything is conceivably possible, but why break up not only the the team but the chemistry? I've seen a lot of the Harrison Barnes stuff. You're already trying to find a way to get Cam Johnson the minutes he needs. So, and we all know that there's a love affair with Abdul Nader and Monty. So when Abdul comes back, he's getting his minutes. So I just, I just, I, 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 I hope not. I think sometimes it's okay to be where you are. And so I hope no one gets Adrian Dantley before the Suns go on and win this title this year. So. I'm going to say no, because I think James isn't going to make a move unless he's blown away. And I don't think salary-wise there's anyone that can blow him away. Zona, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go no as well. I I do think Jalen Smith will be traded uh, just because looking big picture, it's just really tough to see him like sticking with the team long-term. And maybe they could find a guy like a Torrey Craig or Kenrich Williams, just someone just to add to that forward depth that, um, I agree with PLR that I don't, I'm, even though I like Harrison Barnes at this point, I don't think he's the best addition. You don't want to shake up the forward rotation that much. Um, they have enough depth there to where I think it's better to add someone on the edges, like a Tory Craig that, you know, is a proven commodity that, that works. Um, or someone that like in that similar sense, that's just a bigger forward. Um, Eric Gordon, I actually do like in terms of, uh, if they're getting, getting off of Shamit and they need a third guard that can create because in the playoffs we saw if, you know, Paul and Booker don't have it going or teams are taking them out of the equation, they need another score. So Gordon uh, could be an awesome third guard that has playoff experience. He's played with Paul 
but trying to get that to work could could be pretty tough. So I don't really see that happening. Uh, I think they're going to make a trade. It's going to be something small. Yeah, I don't think the Suns are going to trade anybody in the in the regular rotation. I just don't see it happening. Um, it, it, James Jones is really a big fan of of uh, keeping a team together, and these Suns love each other and play so well with each other that I just don't see it happening. So I think if if they do anything, it'll be on the Tory Craig level. It'll be a um, getting a guy for a, you know minimum guy for a minimum guy, something like that. Uh, the Suns don't have an open roster spot since they signed Bismack, so they would have to release somebody in order to acquire somebody or trade somebody to acquire somebody. So, uh, But I don't think it'll be a big uh, trade. And I don't – a few people are suggesting Jay Crowder. There's, I don't think there's any chance the Suns trade Jay Crowder. They, he's just so important to their clutch minutes. He's so important to closing out and having the right mindset for the playoffs. I know he was up and down in the playoffs, but his mindset never changed. His mindset is to play tough. He's like the forward version of Chris Paul. I mean, it's just, he's, he's got that right. Um, uh, he plays right. He's a great coach. Um, so he's, he's, he's the guy you need. Um, so that's it. Um, I think that's, <clears throat> I don't think the Suns are doing that. Okay. Let's do a quick wrap up of the show. We're going to get out of here in about two minutes, guys. Uh, quick wrap up, up of the show. Real quick answers. Zona. Um, the Suns play. They host the Spurs. They host the Nets with Kyrie and James Harden. Uh, and then they're at the Hawks. What's their record going to be this week? Hosting Spurs and Nets and at the Hawks. Zona. Uh, I'm going to go. They get the win streak up to 11 games. They win their first two and then they drop the Hawks game. I just have a weird feeling about that game. I hope I'm wrong, but yeah, I'm going to go two and one. All right. PLR. What do you think? I agree with Zona. I, I think they, uh, they beat the Spurs. They beat a disgruntled James Harden, who everyone from ASU go devils will be interviewing. And and then they go and lose to the Hawks. So I'm, I'm with Zona on that one. All right. Um, I'm actually going to be the positive one and I'm going to say they're three and zero. These guys are just so locked in right now. They want every single win. I think the Suns are going to go 3-0 and this week. Uh, the Hawks just don't play any defense at all. So even if the Suns don't come in totally focused in that game, the Hawks are going to let them score enough and then get to crunch time, and then the Suns are just going to close it out. The Nets are, are playing weird right now. They're not playing at their best, and the Spurs are the Spurs. They're just not quite good enough. Although we might be watching a, another All-Star in that game, a DeJounte Murray. I would not be surprised if he's named to the All-Star game as a, as a reserve. Um, so, okay, so we've got those three. Uh, thank you guys for your time today. I really appreciate it. Zona, PLR. Uh, Zona, tell us where we can find you. Yeah, just at Zona Hoops underscore on Twitter. You can find my stuff at Bright Side of the Sun and ZonaHoops.com. Um, yeah, thanks for another great show. All right, PLR, where can we find you? Hey, appreciate you guys having me. The You can find me on, on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook at Sports Cave, Caves with a K. Cave Show Daily, 1 o'clock. Just go to SportsCave.com, hit the Listen Live button. Again, Caves with a K. All right, I'm Dave King. You can find me at Dave King NBA on Twitter. Uh, you can find our show, uh, Sun Solar Panel, on Twitter at Sun Solar Panel. You can find my work at BrightSideOfTheSun.com, 
And uh, obviously, uh, you guys got to listen to our midweek pods. I've got those. I've got those insiders talking about the trade deadline. Go listen to that. Um, one more thing before you guys go, Zona PLR. You guys can take off when you want to. I'm going to play an ad because I really want you guys to contribute to Brightside Night this year. You really need to uh, to watch this um, uh, video, and I need you guys to contribute to Brightside Night. It is it is a very very important thing for me. It's a very very important thing for us to give back to our community. We're giving tickets to first responders and healthcare workers this year. We need your contributions to be able to do so. It's very, very important. One more minute of your time. Go right Being on. at a basketball game is such a rush. Screaming at the top of your lungs, high-fiving the person next to you, enjoying that last shot by the sun. There's no better feeling than that instant camaraderie you get with thousands of other Suns fans at a stadium. We at brightsideofthesun.com and the Solar Panel Podcast are proud to give that game time experience to new fans every year. We call it Brightside Night. We donate game tickets to targeted groups around the Valley who've never had a live game experience. Over the past five years, that's been underprivileged kids. We've sent over 10,000. This year, we're focusing on healthcare heroes and first responders who've put their lives on the line to save others. Now, we want to give back to them. Let's thank them with tickets to the February 16th Suns-Rockets game. All it costs you is 11 bucks. What you get out of it is not only the satisfaction of helping somebody, but also of getting something for yourself. You're either in a raffle at the very least, or you get gifts, you get goods, you get tickets, whatever it is. You make a donation, you also get something out of it. Go to sons.com slash brightside. That's sons.com slash brightside. Brightside's one word. Make your donation now. It only takes a couple of minutes and you're not even going to miss the money. That's one of the proudest accomplishments of my life to do this. And I hope it's going to be one of yours too. That's contributing to Brightside Night is a huge deal. That's sons.com slash brightside. Hey. All right, man. Um, folks, yeah, we're up to around 2000 tickets or so right now. Um, I do hope you guys, um, uh, make a donation, give us, give us, you know, give some of your money to this cause. And if you donate enough, like even 10 tickets worth or more, you get some perks for yourself, including a pregame interview with the GM. So, um, please donate and you guys, thank you so much. Have a great weekend and we'll see you again next time.